Welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, where each time we meet, we run down the IT news of the week with a varying degree of snarkiness. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, and joining me today is my co-host, Zach DeMeyer. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephen. Always a pleasure to be here. So, Zach, uh, as I'm sure you marked your calendar, today is International Sloth Day. And I don't refer to uh, being uh, really lazy. I refer to perhaps the cutest animals, uh, undiscovered cuteness. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Slots are, I think they should be up at the top of the cute list. I, uh, if you haven't already, go find a video with some baby sloths in it and just get ready to cry a little bit from the cuteness because they are just simply adorable. It is unreal. Sloths in a bucket oh. for that one. Mm. Bucket of sloths. Um, honestly, though, I got to say, I prefer a lemur or maybe even an impish injury, as we'll get to here in a moment. Um, a, uh, let's first uh, take a look at some of the week's news. Um, a major U.S. candy manufacturer recently got back into business after recovering from a ransomware attack. Chicago-based Ferrara Candy, the parent company of Lemonheads, Atomic Fireballs, Keebler, and others, announced that the shutdown in operations is not likely to halt their production of candy going into the Halloween season, which is good because this is the same company that produces everybody's favorite, well, everybody but me because they're disgusting, uh, favorite confectionery candy corn. Zach, um, what do you take of this tale apart from the fact that it is clearly caused by their decision to make turkey dinner candy corn? Oh, I, yeah, Stephen, I think that that was probably the main source behind the attack. Uh, you know, the, whoever the, this per person that perpetrated this attack was certainly heard the news and, uh, and probably came in to try and stop it. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't blame them, honestly. That's, uh, that's terrible. No, but in all seriousness, uh, it seems like uh, Ferrara Candy did have uh, most of their, uh, their I's dotted and their T's crossed for this one because uh, it's, you know, uh, based on the, the story that we have in the show notes, uh, it seems like really quite a relatively quick turnaround on their part, uh, you know, reloading uh, old snapshots and, and, and trying to resume production as normal. So uh, honestly here, I'd say chalk, chalk one up for the security and IT team at Ferrara Candy because it, it seems like, you know, despite everything that happened uh, by way of the attack, they, they're coming out okay. And uh, like you mentioned, with uh, Halloween coming up, uh, you know, closer and closer, it's uh, it's good that they'll be able to continue cranking out the uh, sugary sweets that the the children crave. Uh, so on to another story. Uh, although once just a CSI plugin, the InfoScale storage virtualization software from Veritas is now containerized. Used to switch apps between storage infrastructure to adapt for issues or other problems that arise, the new cloud nativity of the product allows it to provide higher availability for K8's workloads. Stevens, do you think this will become a common pattern for other cloud storage providers? Yeah, let's take a look here. Um, first of all, I think a lot of people in our audience may not be so familiar with Veritas. Um, this is a company that was, has been basically a key component of the storage infrastructure stack. Well, basically, as long as I've been doing stuff in storage, and that's a long time. Uh, I will tell you that back in the 90s, uh, Veritas uh, Volume Manager and their foundation suite were a key storage virtualization platform. And of course, they're really well known as well for their data protection software. 
the problem is that uh, a lot of uh, newer competitors, including Portworks with Pure Storage that we've talked about recently, and of course, any other uh, container storage interface, have been, you know, kind of uh, moving into this cloud native space and leaving Veritas stuck in the data center. Uh, the uh, InfoScale product itself actually came uh, originally from uh, some of the original uh, Veritas technologies uh, and sort of brought together a lot of their virtualization technology, uh, as you say, in, uh, into the world of CSI and containers. Uh, so it was uh, actually a nice thing for those of us who've been in the industry for a long time to see this announcement made at uh, KubeCon of uh, truly a uh, cloud-native containerized version of uh, the Veritas InfoScale product because, frankly, it's a really nice product. It's a good alternative to some of the other storage platforms that we're seeing out there. And, of course, it really is uh, quite enterprise-capable. So. Overall, uh, I'm excited to be able to talk about this product because I feel like it's one of those things that, um, you know, old school data center people might understand, but some of the uh, cloud native DevOps people might not. Uh, it's worth a look at the very least to see what Veritas is doing with InfoScale. Now let's move on to some, well, kind of head scratching news. Uh, the governor of Missouri recently put out an order to prosecute a journalist who responsibly reported a massive vulnerability in one of the state's websites. The app in question leaked hundreds of social security numbers for teachers and school staff uh, within the state of Missouri and was visible by accessing the page's source code. Despite this, Governor Parsons demanded that the hackers responsible be put to justice, earning him a lot of flack on Twitter and other outlets. Zach, uh, tell us a little bit more about this funny story. Yeah, this is, uh, like you said, Stephen, it's a real head scratcher. Um, I, you know, the, the ability to view a page's source, uh, source code has been around almost pretty much as long as the internet. Uh, you know, I, I, on, a, on a Mac, uh, on Google Chrome, you can just press Command-Shift-C and it'll open it up right for you. You can see what's going on in the HTML and the CSS. And, you know, as someone who has worked in web development before, it's a very useful tool for figuring out, you know, if your page is working correctly, uh, you know, honing in on, on specific issues or, or other places that you're trying to buff up from a, a design perspective. And uh, clearly it just shows uh, the governor's lack of technical aptitude, which I think for me really draws into question you know, sometimes uh, you you have politicians who are making decisions about big technical things and have really no idea what what sort of things are going on in the background. I mean, clearly in this case, the person who reported it was not a hacker. They they were just you know they just pressed a uh, quick command on their keyboard and went and saw that you know tons of social security numbers were at the uh, behest of anyone who decided to do anything with them. Now, I mean. I, I hope and pray that none of those social security numbers were used in any way that'd be compromising to those teachers, because I'm sure that they're having a hard enough time as it is with the way that, uh, you know, the, the school systems are in, in, in the United States these days. But moving on beyond that, it's just, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, the, uh, the flack that Governor Parsons received is, is fairly deserved. And I really should, like I said earlier, kind of draw into question these, uh, these decisions being made by people who really don't have any idea what they're talking about when it comes to, uh, you know, security and cybersecurity and, and tech 
in this regard. And uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe you might want to just get a uh, a team of people. Uh, you know, surround yourself with with folks who have a bit better of an idea of what they're talking about, and maybe don't try to, uh, you know, shove the the police force down the throat of some journalist who is just doing their job and just looking and, you know, not trying to make headline news, but honestly, just trying to say, hey, this is a really big problem, and you should probably do something about it. And maybe instead of turning your uh, fiery ire against uh, that person, uh, why not turn your fiery ire against the person that made the website in the first place and uh, put in this uh, this code that allowed for this to uh, be sourced? It's, it's just one of those stories that really make you go, really? Really? All right, Stephen, let's move on to one that uh, is, is of particular interest to you, especially as one of the most recognizable faces in tech marketing, Eric Herzog, was just announced as the new head of marketing for Infinidec, creators of high-end storage arrays. Once the CMO for IBM's storage division, uh, Herzog claims that a main driver behind the move is his adrenaline junkie nature, as the move from big blue to scrappy startup is a David and Goliath story in his eyes. In your opinion, Stephen, is this a good move for Herzog? Absolutely. I've known Eric for a long, long time. In fact, a lot of people like me in the storage industry have known and respected him for a long, long time. As you mentioned, uh, you know, we're familiar with him from such, uh, you know, small companies uh, as Maxdoor, uh, EMC, <laughs> you know, Violent Memory, Tarman, uh, IBM, you know, nobody you've ever heard of. Uh, he has always, always been a very uh, energetic and insightful uh, marketer. And frankly, uh, I was thrilled to see him moving over there to Infinidat. Uh, if you don't know of Infinidat, it really is a uh, wonderful high-end storage system. In fact, uh, we mentioned it recently when we were discussing the EMC PowerMax from Dell, as well as the um, recent announcements with Hitachi Ventara and their high-end storage arrays, because that's the market that Infinidat plays in. And now they've got a marketer who can come in there and share that with the uh, enterprise storage world. So frankly, I'm just thrilled to see this move because I love it when uh, good technology is par partnered with good marketing skills and uh, because it means that perhaps we'll see more rollout of technology like this in the future. So uh, really looking forward to seeing what happens here with Infinidat going forward. I think this is the best news that's come out of that company in quite a while. So re really looking forward to it. Absolutely, me too. Um, well, let's, uh, let's move on. You hinted at it earlier, Stephen, but let's, let's dive in and give it a closer look today as big news this week came out for Linux fans. The newest version of Ubuntu has released. Uh, it is the 21.10 iteration dubbed Impish Indie. Uh, and this new version of the operating system coming out of Canonical supports the widest range of devices yet for Ubuntu. It also features new integrations with Apache Cassandra, simplifying AI ops workloads, and a KFence uh, product or feature, uh, which is a new memory error detecting feature. We recently had the opportunity to chat with Rob Gibbon from the Canonical Camp about the release. And uh, after that conversation, Stephen, what were your takeaways? Yeah, so I, as I said to Rob in that discussion, uh, I'm a big uh, Ubuntu user. In fact, everything I run is Ubuntu. Uh, I have been using Linux since the original uh, 
Linux uh, email from Linus Torvalds back in the early 1990s and um, went through a number of different distributions, but I am full on board with Ubuntu. And um, frankly, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the next LTS release next year. Um, those of you who don't understand sort of the cadence and so on, uh, let me just kind of clear that up. So Canonical uh, releases Ubuntu on a steady uh, sort of a uh, tick, tick, tock uh, pattern. And so we have uh, what they call LTS releases, which are supported for you know, many years, have all the greatest security. And that's, and that's what most people run. Uh, in production are the LTS releases. And then they have these uh, major but not LTS releases that come a few times a year. That's what this is. So what we're seeing now is uh, Ubuntu uh, 21.10, that's uh, meaning the 10th month of 2021 is the release date. And this can be seen as the prelude to the next LTS release of Ubuntu, which we will probably see in April. Uh, what that means is that this is where the new kernel comes in. This is where new snaps, uh, new features, updated packages. Uh, I mean, basically everything in this has been revved and updated with the latest and greatest stuff. And even though it's not an LTS release, it's still an excellent stable release of the operating system. In fact, I have already updated my development systems to run uh, impish injury, uh, because I want to make sure that when the uh, next LTS version comes out, I'm ready to handle it. And I've uncovered any uh, incompatibilities with different libraries and packages beforehand so that uh, I can quickly move to, uh, you know, the next LTS release. Uh, Canonical has really done a great job uh, maintaining their version of, of uh, Linux. And in fact, um, to such an extent that uh, Ubuntu really has taken over the, the, the world, especially in the DevOps and cloud space. Essentially, everything is uh, running Ubuntu or some kind of specialized uh, slimmed down Linux. And, and there are very few people out there running any other distribution in production applications. Uh, this is also the uh, operating system of choice in uh, areas like high performance computing, mainframe, uh, yeah, Linux on mainframe is a thing, uh, and uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, uh, which is, of course, another area of focus for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't, won't take too, too much time, but listening to, listen to the Utilizing AI podcast for more on that. Uh, and again, there's some cool stuff in here, uh, including deeper integration with uh, NVIDIA, uh, which I truly appreciate because it can be a hassle to get uh, ML drivers working on uh, Linux systems sometimes. So uh, the bottom line here is that uh, Impish Indri uh, Ubuntu 21.10 is not uh, the operating system you're gonna be running for the next five years. That's 2204, but uh, 21.10 is the operating system that you should be investigating, you should be working with, you should be testing because that way you'll be ready for the next LTS release when it does come out. So, I mean, overall, this is a great release. So far, my experience has been great. It's been very stable. Uh, I'm very, very happy to see that they've upgraded the Linux kernel. So we've got support for the latest hardware, which is you know, one of those things that happens sometimes with these long-term uh, releases of the operating system. You don't necessarily get the latest kernel and the latest drivers. Uh, because you know they want to make sure it's stable, but at the same time, you know you're buying a new system, you might need updated uh, kernel and drivers, and so we've got that in here. Um, 
I haven't found any problems with it uh, whatsoever, except the usual uh, exciting variety of different uh, revisions of Python. But I guess that happens with every operating system release. Anyway, so so this is uh, this is a good release. Uh, I really was appreciative of being able to spend some time with Canonical, uh, getting a preview of it, uh, and I do recommend checking it out. Absolutely, yeah, uh, definitely a, a big thanks to Rob Gibbon as well as uh, Kathy Wright from Offleash PR for setting up that conversation because it was a uh, it was certainly a blessing for us to be able to go in and and learn more. Uh, and and like you said, it's uh, it's very exciting for uh, for all those Linux users out there. So definitely get out, uh, give it a try, and uh, get ready for for the the next LTS release. All righty. Well, let's move on and uh, look at, at some of the things that are coming up in the week ahead. Uh, one thing in particular of, of interest to us, you'll notice that our colleague Tom Hollingsworth is not here with us today, and that is because he is at Security Field Day 6, which is taking place today, October 20th to the 22nd. Uh, you can tune in at, at techfieldday.com as well as on LinkedIn to see all of the wonderful presentations and hear from all of the delegates. Thanks, Zach. Another thing that's going on today, tomorrow, and Friday, depending on uh, which time zone you're in, is NetApp Insight. So today is the America's version, then we've got EMEA and APAC. Just go to insight.netapp.com to tune in for that one. Uh, then uh, also next week, uh, we've got Intel Innovation, part of tw uh, 2021, which is part of the Intel On series. That's October 27th and 28th. And then capping off uh, in two weeks from now, November 3rd to 5th, we'll have Stephen Foskett hosting the Cloud Field Day 12 event. Once again, you can watch that on the Tech Field Day website and on LinkedIn to see all of the wonderful presentations. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, remember that the Gestalt IT Rundown is available as a podcast as well as live on YouTube every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern time. Uh, you can just go to youtube.com slash video to watch it there. You can find it in your favorite podcast application. We also post these videos to Facebook uh, as well as LinkedIn. And we'll be back uh, next week to talk about the IT news of the week that was. So until then, for myself, Stephen Foskett, and for all of us here in the Gestalt IT family, here's wishing your, you and yours a candy corn filled holiday. <laughs>